just join us in worship.
This morning, let's just celebrate that grace. Grace, what have you done? Murdered for me on that cross. Accused in absence of wrong. My sin washed away in your blood. Too much to make sense of it all. Know that your love brings my fall. The scandal of grace, you died in my place, so my soul will live. Oh, to be like you, I give all I have just to know you. Jesus, there's no one beside.
I just want to take all that I have this morning, God. That we just surrender to you all of our problems, everything, our lives.
Out of the mire clay, you set a feet upon the rock and you made us say, Holy is the Lord. Would you clear your thoughts about us one by one? It beats many to count, and so we simply come to sing your
Let me, let me say this as I begin. Some of the messages that we teach are, are um, encouraging, inspiring. Some of them are a little bit of a challenge. Sometimes they're messages that are what are called felt needs, things that we're just feeling we need to hear. And there's some things that are unfelt needs, which you may have come into this door and the doors of this church not thinking you needed to hear it, um, but you will realize that it affects every one of us in the room. And so it's with that heart that I want to share with you a message today called Drop the Mask. And so if you have your Bibles and you want to join me, Turn to Matthew chapter 22, excuse me, 23, and let's talk for a few moments about dropping the mask, and uh, no better way to start this off with an illustration and a mask. So how many of you are getting tired of the mask? Oh, my land. I know there's a purpose in it, right? I mean, I won't get in that debate, you know, whether they work or don't work, but I realize there's a purpose in them, but I'm personally tired of the mask. As you notice, I'm talking and my windows are fogging up here, my glasses, and I hate that, right? So I'm always adjusting it to make sure I'm not fogging up my glasses, and then maybe I go into the store, and I park way out on the end of the parking lot because I don't want a door ding, and I go all the way to the door to find the sign that says you must wear a mask, and then you do the walk to shame or walk of shame all the way back to your truck to get your mask, grumbling the whole way. Or how about this? You eat that favorite fajita meal with onions, and an hour later you burp into the mask. Oh, that's terrible. Or you forgot to brush your teeth that morning. I mean, how many of you would agree that the mask is a little bit of a inconvenience. Tired of the mask. Another thing that I, I, I get tired of is I, I see people in the community, and I don't know if they're mad at me or happy with me. I mean, they're smiling or frowning. I can't see your smiling faces. Or um, I was donating blood the other day at the Coffee Blood Memorial uh, Center, and a lady comes in and says, hey, are you Pastor Shane? Um, I, I can't tell under that mask. I didn't know if that was you or not. And so, you know, the masks do work. They work at concealing our identity, right? But I don't know about you, I'm getting tired of them. I'm ready for the mask season to be over with. Amen. Turn me loose and let me go. But there's another mask <clears throat> that we all wear. It's not a physical mask, but every one of us in this room have the potential of wearing it. And it's a mask that also conceals. Um, it's the mask of hypocrisy. I'm saying, oh man, we're touching on hypocrisy today. Yeah, we, we need to touch on hypocrisy. And and the reason I feel compelled to do that is because the very reason those children were on the stage a moment ago and the, the weight that is on us as parents to raise those children up. And how many of you know kids, as they get older, can spot hypocrisy like nobody's business? And so as we're, we're, we understand what hypocrisy is. We see it all around us. In fact, I'll start with politics just for a second. Um, but we see hypocrisy in politics all the time, don't we? Raise your hand if you agree. You turn the TV on, you're like, dude, where's the hypocrisy, man? I read of one senator who has been known for tax evasion for decades, owes millions of dollars in, in back taxes, who has the audacity to want to investigate Trump for his taxes. And I'm like, that's hypocrisy, right? We see it around us. Or here, here's one in the family. I know we don't experience hypocrisy in family, but how many of you have ever heard this phrase? Do as I say and not as I do. If I had a dollar for every time I heard that one growing up, do as I, I say and not as I do. What we're saying is, like, I'm not always going to do the right thing, but I'm going to tell you what you need to do. So do as I say, don't do what I do. Don't follow my example. 
And we also can see hypocrisy within the church or in the Christian circles. You know, sometimes a mask is harmless. You know, kids will put little masks on and they'll wear them for Halloween. And we're like, oh, that's so cute. They're adorable. It's harmless. And then sometimes they can be harmful. You see a person with a mask and sunglasses and a hoodie breaking into a store. And you got them saying, hey, does anybody recognize this person? You're like, no. They, They conceal completely the identity of the person wearing the mask. But the same thing is true in the Christian circles. We also can wear the mask. You know, Jesus talks about the mask or hypocrisy several different times, and um, James talks about it, John talks about it, it's in the Old Testament. And, and the word hypocrite in the Greek literally, literally means to play a part, to play a part like an actor on a stage. And so it wasn't negative originally, it's just meaning a, a play actor. And so they would get on a stage and they would have these masks with a stick and they would put it in front of them as they were playing a part or a role. And then they would take that mask off and put on another mask, and now they're playing the, another role. And so it's just simply playing a role. It's acting um, as though you're someone else when you're not really that person. It's okay on the stage, but how many of you know it's not okay in the church? We need to drop the mask. So how many of you would admit that you've been hurt by, disappointed in, or I don't know what you'd say, hurt by the church. I meet people all the time that'll say, Shane, if you just knew my story, and then they'll go to tell me something that happened to them, and I'm thinking, wow, that's terrible. And it goes back to legalism and man-made rules, and somebody didn't speak in love, somebody made a judgment, and they, they, they harshly um, criticized someone, and it hurt them. Um, and I know many people that are not in church, not involved in church, or they're on the sidelines scared to get involved because of a past church experience. In fact, I read a book years ago called When Bad Christians Happen to Good People. And that's the idea there. Sometimes we as Christians don't live up to the confession that we are followers of Christ. And so when I was a young man, I was in church. I was raised in church. In fact, my grandpa owned the building that I attended church in. It was a little building, and he had purchased it because he felt like there needed to be a church there. And our family met there for church. And I was raised there. I was there every time the door uh, was open. I was always, always in church as a little guy. And then as I got older, I started picking up on certain things. And you might notice this too, parents. As you get older, your kids get older, they start picking up on things that used to, you'd get by with. I mean, for instance, we, we used pig Latin in my, my family for years. My wife and I did a little code to talk with each other. And then one day the kids finally pick up on it and you're like, ah, we're busted. Now we got to find another language, another way to communicate. The kids are smart and they pick up on that kind of thing, right? And so I started picking up on things that I saw in the church, and I saw people who were followers of Christ, who went to church, who worshiped next to me, but then on Friday night or uh, you know, the, the day before, they were doing something that was just unquestionable. You're like, you call yourself a Christian, and you're thinking, wow, that's hypocritical. Or maybe someone in the pulpit was saying one thing, but out of the pulpit, living a life differently than what they were professing from the pulpit, and we say, that's hypocritical. Or somebody's holding you to an expectation that they won't hold themselves to. How many of you know that's hypocrisy? And so there's two forms of hypocrisy that I want to approach today. Number one is professing belief in something and then acting in a manner contrary to that belief. In other words, I'm a Christian and then living in a way that is not conducive with that or it's in a manner contrary to that belief. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 23, is criticizing the religious leaders. Who are the religious leaders? They're the Pharisees, right? 
Now, the Pharisees, he's not criticizing them because they're the religious rulers. He's not criticizing them because they know the teachings of Moses frontwards and backwards and that they're um, committed to the law of Moses. He's not criticizing them for that. He's criticizing them because there's something else missing. They're playing the part. And so the, the whole chapter 23, uh, Matthew devotes to this. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. They are the who's who of religion. And like these guys know the law of Moses frontwards and backwards. They are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So, verse 3, practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. There it is. Do as they say, not as they do. Why? He says, because they, um, they don't practice what they teach. See, they profess something, but they live in a way that was contrary to what they believe. In verse 5, it says, everything they do is for show. And then you see on and on and on through that passage of the word hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite. And in the Greek, it simply means to play a part. Verse 23 says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. It's like, hey, you guys are you're crossing the T's and dotting all the I's, but you're missing the more important part of the law, like justice, mercy, and faith. He says, blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. He's speaking of their hypocrisy. Verse 25, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Verse 28, he says, outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. And so that the first form of hypocrisy is to profess belief in something, belief in something, and then acting in a manner that's contrary to that belief. I can't tell you how many times you turn on the TV and you see someone talking and, and they're the, the most filthy language in the world, just raunchy, and you look at their, their necklace around their neck and there's a huge cross. Or, or somebody's like, follow me to church, you know, on the bumper sticker, and then they're cutting people off in traffic, waving at them with one finger, and you know, just kind of cop an attitude with everybody. And you're thinking, man, if you're going to do that, please remove the bumper sticker from your car. Please take the necklace off your neck. Please don't tell people you're a Christian. Because it's hypocritical. And, and what this world sees today is a lot of hypocrisy. In fact, most of the world looking at the church would say it's just a bunch of hypocrites. I got news for you. They're right. Because we say we are followers of Jesus Christ. That would imply to follow his teachings, right? To submit our lives to his leadership. And we don't always get that done, do we? And so by definition, that would be hypocritical. So, hey, listen, my name is Shane and I'm a hypocrite. And I've always been a hypocrite. And let me just tell you this, I'm going to let you down at some point in life. So please, please, please don't put me too high up on a pedestal because I'm a broken man. But you know what I'm encouraged? God uses broken people. Amen? So to pretend to be something that you're not 
is hypocritical, and it can do a lot of damage. It can run people away from churches. It can cause kids to walk away from the faith when they get old enough to make their own decisions. In fact, as parents, that's one of your biggest concerns is when they're little, you can control them. I don't want to go to church. Get in the car. You're going to church, right? Nobody else does that? All right. I'll get you an ice cream after church if you go to church, right? I mean, you've got control when they're little, but when they get a little older, we start to get concerned, like one of these days I'm going to take those hands of control off of them and they're going to be flying on their own. And at that moment, which way are they going to go? And we see many people walk away from the church, walk away from the faith. And I have to wonder sometimes if it's not because they spot, smell hypocrisy. There's a danger in hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is a sin, and that's why Jesus calls it out. So professing belief in something and acting in a manner contrary to that belief is is wrong. Another way, another form of hypocrisy is when we, and this doesn't happen in this church, I know, but when we look down on others, when we ourselves are flawed. I don't do that. Do you do that? In fact, I've struggled with this in the past. You know, see somebody else that's a follower of Christ, and then they stumble into some sort of sin, and then we somehow get on our moral high horse and go, oh, I just, I just can't believe they did that. That is so disappointing. What were they thinking? That also is hypocrisy. Why? Because the Bible makes it clear that all of us are broken people. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so when we look down on other people, when we ourselves are flawed, that also is hypocrisy. Jesus says it in Luke chapter 6. He's talking about judging others. Let me just go ahead and back up to verse 37. um, Because there's one verse that's always taken out of context. And I think it's important for us to get it in context. So verse 37 of chapter 6 in Luke says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Let me stop there for a second. Some people say, aha, the Bible says don't judge. But let me just tell you, as you read the rest of Scripture, uh, the interpretation is use righteous judgment. Be careful how you do judgment. But we are to continue to speak out against sin. Amen. But here Jesus is saying, hey, judge not lest you be judged. And the verse, it's always taken out of context. I hear it in sermons about money. Now, I agree in the, in the principles of reaping and sowing, but listen to this and see if it sounds familiar. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure and pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it will be measured to you again. Woo! Money, money, money. Let me do that, right? I've heard that growing up. It's like, that's what that passage means. No. Look at the verse preceding it. Do not judge. Do not condemn, for with the same measure that you use on other people, it will be measured to you again. How many of you want to get a smaller cup? (laughs) Right? Ooh, so when it comes to judgment, when it comes to condemnation of other people, he says there's a principle here. Give, and it's going to be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, if you want to heap it on them, guess what? Chances are it's going to be heaped back on you. In verse 39, Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Verse 41, it says, And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log, some versions say a huge beam, a wooden beam, in your own eye? How can you think of saying, Friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. 
First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. What he's saying is, when we approach people and we point out their faults and we're judgmental of their own faults without recognizing that we ourselves are flawed individual, it's hypocrisy. And he says, it's like having a speck in a friend's eye. I noticed this sin in your life, and I want to help you deal with that sin when the sin in my life is far greater, right? And he's saying that's hypocrisy. It's like when you say, let me help you with a speck in your eye, but you have a beam in your own eye. He says, first off, you need to remove the beam from your own eye. That is to look at yourself first, and then you can see clearly to help your brother with the speck in his eye. So there's two forms of hypocrisy. There's professing belief in something and then acting in a manner contrary to that belief. And there's looking down on others when we ourselves are flawed, making judgments of other people. Now, I know, as I said a little ago, we're not guilty of that in this church. We're a bunch of holy people, aren't we? You're like saying you're meddling. No, I'm not meaning to. This is God's word. But the reality is, is if we're not careful, we are very easily capable of falling into that same trap of, 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 of hypocrisy, Right? And you may think it's not a big deal, but it's a huge deal when you consider what's at stake. And so you consider your family and you consider kids that say, I'll never go to church because of my dad did X, Y, and Z. And they were always preaching at me, but they live differently than that. I'll never go to church. Can I tell you that's a huge consequence of hypocrisy? Or how about someone that's given a, the church a test try? And maybe they, they come in and they've got a really messed up life and, and, and they're giving church a try and there's somebody there that, that knows about their past life and they begin to tell everybody, oh, guess what they used to do? And they start judging them and that person walks away never to return to the church again. There's a huge consequences when it comes to hypocrisy. Or, or, or a minister fails in ministry and, and, and I know how I'm wired, and I've looked at this before, and you see a moral failure, and you immediately just want to point the guns at them and go, oh, they're, they, 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 just, they don't deserve to be there, and they need to be out, and all that stuff. And we, just are, we, we save our harshest criticism there. And I think that we are held to a higher standard, but we forget that all of us are broken people. Amen? And when we do that, and we, we criticize and we judge, I'm reminded of the verse in Romans that says, who, who are you to judge another man's servant? Before his master, he will rise or fall. There's one judge, and he's in heaven, right? The rest of us are walking this path of life, and we're stumbling and falling often. Often. And the reality is, is I'm not in a position to point the finger at anyone else without first taking the beam out of my own eye, recognizing my own ability to be hypocritical um, in my ministry. So I, I know this doesn't apply to anybody um, here today. So I, I said that jokingly. I really honestly mean it with my heart. It's like, man, I don't, I don't say it in, a, in an arrogant way, but church, this is something I think that all of us need to be reminded of. Would you agree? So if you and I want to live authentic Christian life, and how many know that's what God's calling us to? Authenticity. Be real. Take the mask off. Be real with one another. In fact, in 1 John it says, uh, let love be, I think it's in Romans, let love be without hypocrisy. So we're supposed to love one another. We're loved by God, and we're supposed to love others in turn. And then uh, I think it's 1 John that says, if we say we love God, but we don't love our brothers, we're not practicing uh, the truth. And so we're just playing the part. We're play acting. And so God is calling us to this life of authenticity, to be real with one another. And it doesn't mean perfection. See, there's a difference between acting like Christ and letting Christ work through your life to make you more and more like himself. There's a huge difference, isn't there? See, to play like Christ is to put the mask on, 
you go do your church time and you talk the church talk, you know, the Christianese, and you say all the right things, you wear all the, 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 the right uh, paraphernalia, you know, the, 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 the cross on the necklace or the bumper sticker on the car, and, um, and, and that is to act like Christ. But if our lives are not changed by the power of the gospel, then we're only playing a part, and that's hypocrisy. And I believe for us, there's a call. God is calling us all to authenticity. You know, when the world looks at us and says, you're a bunch of hypocrites, I'm tempted to say, you know what, you're right, we're all hypocrites. And when somebody wants to look at me and say, Shane, you're a hypocrite, I'm like, you know what, you're right, I'm a hypocrite. I don't always get it right. I don't always live up to the standard that I confess to hold on to. I'm a broken individual. But let me tell you what I do do as I submit to Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, and I follow him, and I'll stumble many times, but I'm going to get, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up, I'm going to dust myself off, and I'm going to keep walking because it's a journey, and we're not home yet. Amen? So if you and I want to live authentic lives, then we must drop the mask. Well, how do we do that? Um, first off, we start within. Go back to that parable about the, the speck and the beam. He says, why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first, say first, first get rid of the log in your own eye. That is to look within. That is to say, before I point out a fault in someone else, I want to look in the mirror at my own life and make sure uh, that, I, that I'm not judging unrighteously. Then make sure that I don't have any stones or any, any, any skeletons in my closet, so to speak. You know, there's that phrase that said, he who lives in glass houses should not throw stones. The reality is, is if we want to live a genuine life, we have to drop the mask by starting within. It's to say, I'm going to refuse to compare myself to other people. Boy, that's a hard one, isn't it? What do we say? Well, you know what? I know that what I did was wrong, but at least I'm not like, and just fill in the blank. To be genuine and to be authentic, to, to drop the mask is to refuse to compare yourself with other people, to refuse to evaluate what is wrong with other people based on your standards. Like, you know, and, and we always hold other people to a greater standard than we would want to be held to ourselves. Amen? So we must start within first. I remember one time we had a, an individual um, was into some stuff, and as a, as a pastor, I was called, hey, can you go speak with this individual, and I took some elders with me, and we were driving to the home, and I remember pulling over about a block from the house and said, look, guys, what we're, what we're about to do is, is pretty serious. We're going to go, and we're going to confront a brother in his sin and try to get some reconciliation here, but if we go in there with an attitude like we got all our ducks in a row, then that's wrong, and so we need to look within first. We need to consider that we're broken individuals, and so we're not coming after another brother or a sister from a place of, I got all my stuff in a row. Why don't you? We're simply saying, hey, listen, we're not perfect. We're not pretending to be perfect. We make mistakes like everybody else, but, and then gently lead that person towards restoration. How many of you know we need to start within? Another thing is we need to start with the heart. <clears throat> so uh, verse 43, it says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. Say good heart. So a good person 
produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Say evil heart. So we have this good heart, we have this evil heart, and then it says, um, what you say flows from what is in your heart, or from out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know what's in someone's heart? Just give them time to, 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 to talk for a while, and they will eventually reveal to you what's in their heart, because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart. See, it starts in the heart, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth overflows or the mouth speaks. He says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. So how many know that we need some heart work today if we're going to be genuine and authentic? To drop the mask is to start within and to start with the heart. And I would say also to weigh the consequences. Look at the next passage. It says, verse 46, Jesus says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. You remember this verse? I mentioned it last week. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break out against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears the teachings of mine and doesn't obey them is like a foolish person who built his house on sand without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. And so we need to realize the importance of a solid foundation and weigh the consequences, especially in the context of our children. You see, you got this authenticity versus hypocrisy, and we're called to, to live lives of authenticity, even as parents, at the workplace, even in politics, and in the church, to be authentic, genuine followers of Jesus Christ. And there's a great reward when we follow that path, and we see our children grow up and fly in a way that honors God, and we see um, influence in the workplace, and maybe even in politics and in the church when we're doing things and living authentically with one another, recognizing, hey, we're all broken individuals, and we're just on this journey. But there's also consequences of hypocrisy, which I mentioned earlier, is the uh, the, the, the wrecked relationships uh, as a result of hypocrisy. And I can't think of anyone greater than the context of the one in the family. Can you? Because I may be hypocritical to someone else and lose a friendship, but I can imagine how heavy that would be in the context of the family unit. And so um, to your parents dedicating baby children, I just want you to know how much your life matters, how much your walk matters, how much your um, example and your pattern that you're laying out for your children matter, we need to drop the mask. What does that look like for me and my family? Um, I can't tell you how many times I've had to go to my kids and say, hey, listen, what I did was wrong. What I said was wrong. Will you forgive me? And what that's doing is it's acknowledging that I'm not trying to play perfect, but I'm acknowledging my own weaknesses. And it's a good thing because hopefully one day my children will look back and say, you know, dad wasn't a perfect man, but I know that he loved us. I know he loved God. And I know that he strived to be I'm a follower of Christ and honor God with his life. I mean, I'm not always going to do it perfectly. But here's the cool thing about those who build a solid, on a solid foundation. When the waves hit and when your life is a wreck, there's a good foundation to come back to and build on again. Amen? So weigh the consequences. Realize that there's so much at stake. The Bible says that the world will look at us and recognize that we're his disciples by our love for one another. And so I wonder sometimes when the world watches the church, 
They watch Christians on TV or in their schools or in public, or they may even attend a church, and they see some of these things lay out in front of them, and I wonder if they see genuine authenticity or if they see hypocrisy, and I hope and pray that they don't see hypocrisy because I I want to be uh, known for being the real deal, genuine, authentic. Listen, I, I think I said it in the first service. I can't remember if I said it in this one, but please, don't put me on a pedestal too high that if I stumble and fall, because I can stumble and fall there, but for the grace of God, go I. When I see another person fall into something, I quickly just remember that little saying, and I'm like, God, but for your grace, I'd be in the same boat. How many of you know we're all very vulnerable? The Bible says, let he who stands take heed lest he falls. We're all very fragile. We all could fail Mars. So let's make sure that as we live genuinely, we put off the mask of hypocrisy, submit to one another in love, and let love be without hypocrisy. In Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about living by the Spirit's power. Back to that point about starting with the heart. He's like, how do you do that? How, what does that look like, Shane? Well, i got good news for you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. That's good news, isn't it? Man, that's encouraging to me. And you know how it's also encouraging. I have people before that say, Shane, I don't know if I'm saved. And I'll talk to them a little bit. Well, do you ever feel convicted about the things that you do or say? Oh, man, I just always. And you didn't feel that way before? No. That's a good sign that the conviction of the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God that lives in you? That's good news, right? So the Holy Spirit indwells us. But how many of you know you can submit to the Spirit or you can submit to the flesh? It's a choice. You can make every day. You can say, you know what, I'm going to just do things the way I want to do them according to the flesh, and we're going to get the results of that. And Galatians 5 tells us what the work of the Spirit is, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. Paul says in Ephesians, so be careful how you live. <clears throat> Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll stop there. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Notice it says, don't be drunk with wine, not drink wine. I've had people talk to me, what does the Bible say about that? It is not a sin to drink a glass of wine or a beer. Oh, I said it. I was raised in churches where like, oh no, and I'm like, you can't go to the Word and defend that. I'm sorry, it's not a sin. The sin is in the drunkenness. And so if you're getting wasted, what's happening is you're allowing yourself to be consumed with something that takes over you, and it impairs your judgment, it impairs your mind, it impairs everything. I think we get that, right? Like a sponge just soaks it up, right? And we're saturated. He says, don't do that. Don't be drunk on wine, but instead be filled, stay filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that we can start every day and say, Holy Spirit, I want to live my life today in a way that's going to honor you. Would you guide my steps? Would you remind me of the passages of Scripture that I've read? Would you remind me of the promises of Christ? Would you just lead me today? Oh, and when I step out of line, would you remind me of that? Because I'll be quick to say, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, right? I'm so grateful for the work of the Holy Spirit in life, but we need to submit to the Holy Spirit. Listen, it's not easy walking this Christian life. And if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to be held to a standard. People are watching. Your kids are watching. Your workplace is watching. 
right? The person behind you in traffic, if you've got the Jesus sticker on your truck, is watching, right? People in the church are watching. People are watching us. And so if we want to be authentic and genuine, it's just to simply put down the mask and say, you know what? I'm real. I'm not celebrating or flaunting my failures, saying that it's okay. I'm not dismissing that. I'm acknowledging that, oh, yeah, that's a failure. But you know what? I press on. I'm, I'm going to press on. And I want Christ to work in me and hopefully tomorrow will be a better day. And I believe that's the journey for each and every one of us. We need to drop the mask, start within. Nobody likes to be a hypocrite. Anybody in here like it when somebody says, you're a hypocrite? Mm-mm. We don't like to be called a hypocrite. Nobody wants to be a hypocrite. <clears throat> but for some reason, living an honest, authentic, genuine life is tougher than it sounds. Amen? If you want to be authentic in your Christian walk, you must drop the mask. So what does that look like for you? What does dropping the mask look like for you by being genuine, being authentic? Can I say, starting in the family, mom, dad, just be genuine. Own your faults. Own your shortcomings. Don't try to play like you're something that you're not because your kids will spot hypocrisy like that. There's a lot at stake, and so be genuine with them. Like, hey, honey, I didn't mean that. I, I said that wrong, and I responded wrong to that. Will you please forgive me? And I'm going to try to do better tomorrow. Or maybe it's at the workplace. And you're thinking before you engage in the conversation with all the coworkers, and oh, I did it. I got my Jesus shirt on. In fact, there's a few times when I'd be, get ready to get in the conversation, I'd look down to see what shirt I was wearing. That was the beginning of my conviction. Like, oh, I probably shouldn't say that. I'm wearing my church shirt on today, you know. But what does that look like for you, living authentically? I mean, just being genuine, realizing that we're all broken people. There's not one person in this room that's perfect. Sorry, newsflash, if you don't believe that, ask your wife. She will tell you. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. But God loves imperfect people, and God uses imperfect people. And you know what? He's in the process of sanctifying us, and that process will not be complete until the day he returns because we live in a body that is still the old flesh. Amen? And so let us be reminded of that. Let us be mindful of our walks and how much it does matter. And let us live a life of authenticity. Let us be real with the people around us. Let us be genuine. And let us throw off the mask of hypocrisy. That's one of the things that I've always um, been convicted about as a pastor of the church because I grew up in churches where I felt like the pastor did no wrong. And he never told us otherwise. And so my goal was just look at the pastor. If I could just be like the pastor because obviously he's holy. He's got it all figured out. And so there was just this goal that was never uh, attainable for me. And so I'm okay with telling you that I am an imperfect person. I have struggles. I fail from time to time. But I don't want to play the game and act like all my ducks are in a row because they're not. But guess what? God uses broken people. Do you believe that today? Will you let him use you? Will you be authentic? Will you drop the mask for his glory? There's a lot at stake. What would happen if we all were just playing with each other? You know, hey, you know what? I stumbled there. I'm sorry. Forgive me. We get up and we walk on. The world looks at us and says, you know what? That church, that's a messed up church, but at least they're honest about it, right? Drop the mask. Be authentic. Father, I thank you for your word and the challenge in your word, and I have to admit and confess that we many times pick up the mask. We play the game. We play the part. Lord, it's not because there's evil there, but it's, it's a fear of what people think, and we're worried about someone rejecting or accepting, and so we put the mask on and we play a game. We play like we belong, and Lord, in, in reality, we don't. And so I pray that today 
Father, there be anyone here today that's not genuinely follower of Christ, they're not committed to you, that today would be the day they take off the mask and, and acknowledge that they're uh, not right with you and they would place their faith in you. But for those of us who are genuine followers that, that, that want to live a life of authenticity, I pray that you would show us just how important this idea of hypocrisy is in our own lives and, and to root it out and to, to not allow it to be a stumbling block for us so that it would cause someone else to stumble, someone looking to you for hope and your church and to see a church that is so self-righteous, so pious, so judgmental that it pushes people away. God, would they see a light on a hill and hope for their brokenness as we uncover ours? Father, in our families, there's so much at stake with children walking away from the faith all the time. God, I pray that you would rise up this, this conviction in our hearts to see what's at stake of these little ones. And help us to be on point, intentional, and be real with our kids. And when we mess up, we own it. We just genuinely take off the mask and be real as we point them to you. And Father, all of us are on a journey, and we know one day this journey will come to an end. And so we ask, Father, you give us grace, that you give us mercy. Thank you for the hope that we have that when we do stumble, you're there to forgive and to continue us along the journey until the day you, you come and, and take us home. Father, would you be glorified in our lives, in our families, in our churches, yes, even in our political circles. Lord, would you help us to be that salt and that light. I humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.